hello there, and welcome to the Shellac Stack. My name is Brian Wright, and I'll be your host this hour for a little musical variety program featuring 78 RPM records from my collection. It's music from the first half of the 20th century. We're going to start out today with a record by Ruby Newman and his Ritz-Carlton Hotel Orchestra. Ruby Newman hailed from the Boston area, and yes, he did lead the house band for a number of years at Boston's Ritz-Carlton Hotel. This record comes from his very first session. It was made for the Victor label on February 15, 1932. There's a vocal group singing called the Funny Boners, <laughs> and they were their own group. They sang often on radio in those days and often would do spoofs of then-current pop songs. Here, they're singing something called Laughing at the Funnies, written by Clarence Gaskell. It makes reference to a lot of popular comic strip characters of the day. See how many you recognize. It's Victor 22934. Here's Ruby Newman, Laughing at the Funnies. Little Willie ate a piece of apple pie right before he went to bed. So he couldn't count the sheep and by and by, he had funny dreams instead. Willie dreamed about the funnies and each one paid him a call. One by one they came a-marching in his room and a good time was had by all. Take a look at Crazy Cat, how the kiddies go for that laughing at the funnies. Here is Mr. Mickey Mouse, see him sneaking in the house laughing at the funnies. Hey there Skippy, hear the kids all shout, what's the matter, ain't you coming now? Hear that drum, although it sounds tin panny, I'll bet you know the drummer, Little Orphan Annie. Funny Google and his horse, they were surely there, of course, something happened, what do you suppose? Popeye had an awful flight, hit the villain right upon the nose. Min and Maggie landed in a lump, bringing up father and dandy gum. Mama's little curly head took a fall right out of bed, laughing at the funny, ha ha Thank you. 
Wow, what a great record. Laughing at the funnies. I particularly like the tricky xylophone passage work towards the end. That was Ruby Newman and his Ritz-Carlton Hotel Orchestra, a recording made February 15th, 1932 in New York, Ruby Newman's very first recording session, first of many. How many of the comic strip characters referenced did you recognize? I think we probably all recognized Mickey Mouse and Popeye and maybe even Mutton Jeff and Little Orphan Annie, but there were some that have definitely fallen into obscurity. Characters like Happy Hooligan and uh, Joe Palooka. Joe Palooka was a relatively new comic strip character back in 1932. I think it had started just in uh, late 1930, but Happy Hooligan went back another 30 or so years. It had started in the year 1900, and Happy Hooligan ended its 32-year run just a few months after this record was made, when its author uh, suffered failing eyesight and just decided to get out of it. But I digress. Ruby Newman led a popular society band in the Boston area for many, many years and made quite a few recordings in the 1930s. Not all of them are quite as raucous as that one. In fact, a lot of them are a little bit more sedate, a little bit more polished, as you might expect from a society band. I was recently reading a snippet of an interview with Ruby Newman. He was asked in 1935 about the shift in dance music from the late 1920s into the early to mid-1930s, and uh, he attributed it to the Depression. He said back in the late 1920s, there were lots of private parties, and those private parties would host hot dance bands that felt more at ease playing hot, snappy music, I guess. But by the early 30s, people couldn't afford these private parties, so uh, the youngsters went out to hotels to do their dancing, and the hotels featured a little bit more suave, polished bands, and that just came to be what people liked. It's what they knew, it's what they expected to hear, and it's what they wanted to hear. So Ruby Newman polished up his sound as the 30s went on, and his later records for Decca are, are quite nice, but very different from Laughing at the Funnies. Okay, let's turn now to Adrian Schubert and his orchestra, the house band at the Crown label in the early 1930s. From March of 1931, we'll hear Paul Small sing with Adrian Schubert's orchestra, Trees, a very popular tune of the day. It's Crown 3087. After that, we'll hear a little something from Lou White and his orchestra, not his orchestra, but his orchestra. Groan. <laughs> Ed Clute, that's for you. <laughs> because, uh, well, Lou White was an organist. Anyway, the song will be Seventh Heaven from March of 1937. Sonny Schuyler will be the vocalist. And we'll wrap up with a little something from Henry Hall and the BBC Dance Orchestra down a long, long road from 1933. But first up, here's Adrian Schubert and his orchestra, Trees. <laughs> Oh, mm-hmm. 
tree whose hungry mouth is fresh Against the earth's sweet flowing breast A tree that looks at God all day And lifts her leafy arms to pray A tree that may in summer wear A nest of robins in her hair Upon whose bosom snow has lain Who intimately lives But only God can make us
walking all alone down a long long road back to you through a deep blue night not a star in sight i go traveling on all night through everywhere i go Oh, I cry with no reply No one seems to know Where you've gone So I go on Down a long, long road Walking all alone Down a long, long road Back to you Record made in London on September 27, 1933, the BBC Dance Orchestra, directed by Henry Hall, Les Allen, the uncredited vocalist for Down a Long, Long Road. That was a British Columbia pressing CB670. My name is Brian Wright. For those of you just joining us, welcome. I'm playing 78 RPM records here on the shellac stack, and up next, I have a record that... uh, if I can admit it, I think is a lot of fun. I picked this up not too long ago in an auction for, oh, just a couple of bucks. I knew nothing about the record. I only picked it up because it's on the Liberty Music Shop label, and I tend to like most things on that label. But the singer, Bruce Fletcher, B-R-U-Z, was totally unknown to me. So I did a little bit of research after I acquired this record and found a really comprehensive and well-done website by Tyler Alpern, devoted entirely to Bruce Fletcher, who was just a fascinating character back in the 1930s. And rather than try to summarize the biography, I'm just going to read the opening paragraph of this website to you because it says so much in a relatively short space. So Tyler Alpern writes, Multi-talented writer, photographer, composer, performer, Bruce Fletcher, born to one of the wealthiest and most dysfunctional families in Indiana, twice took the difficult journey of riches to rags in his short, turbulent 34 years. His dramatic life was an ever-changing saga, a wild and sad story of extremes and incredible plot twists. He ran away from home at age eight and shot himself attempting suicide as a young teen. Soon after, while home from boarding school for the holidays, his mother and grandmother drank poison, committing a double suicide. His older sister Louisa's many escapades frequently made national news. She escaped their family's high society life and lived as a man, joining a Broadway show, then took off for Europe, where she was jilted by a German count on the eve of their wedding. Later, she was sent to an asylum and upon release was arrested for physically attacking Lady Bathurst, who turned out to be an imposter herself, all this before dying at the age of 24. 
From frocks to overalls, from society to bohemia, from the Wabash to the Rhine, skips lovely lawless Louisa, exclaimed one headline. Bruce's ambitious father lost the grand fortune, sprawling manor, and prestigious banking business the family built over generations and eventually found work as an elevator operator. And Bruce himself later lost his own home and possessions in a fire. And if that doesn't, uh, <laughs> if that doesn't whet your appetite, uh, Bruce Fletcher was also one of the first openly gay performers in the 1930s at a time when that was definitely a lot more difficult than it would be today. He and his partner Casey Roberts lived together openly in home after home and state after state, hosting salons, and they uh, even publicly collaborated on numerous artistic endeavors, ranging from the theatrical to the literary to the decorative and fine arts. They didn't keep any secrets about living together over the years, and uh, their arrangement was often written about in newspapers and magazines, as were their many artistic collaborations. Bruce Fletcher often performed in lavish nightclubs out in Los Angeles and in Rhode Island and in New York, really all over the place. And we're going to get just a little bit of the taste of one of his acts in this next record. It's called Lay from Hawaii. And yes, there's a bit of doublespeak going on here. <laughs> I won't say any more than that. But see what you think of Lay from Hawaii. Here's Bruce Fletcher in 1934 on the Liberty Music Shop label. A little National Geographical ballad dedicated to our neighbors in the Pacific. Traveler, traveler, do a favor for me. On the beach at Waikiki, by the blue Hawaiian sea, buy me, buy me something simple and sweet, something I will always love, something I've been dreaming of. Bring me a lay from Hawaii. I've wanted a lay for so long. I can't get one here, they're entirely too dear. But Hawaiians give lays for a song, old lady. Don't bring me a short lay or one that's too portly and thin lays I don't like at all. While you're gone, I will yearn. But when you return, I'll be expecting a lay when you call. Lays, ladies and gentlemen, ten cents a lay. Give your girl a lay, mister, I'll bet she'd love one. Ten little pennies for one beautiful lay. Take one home to mother. She's not had one in a long time. If she doesn't know what to do with it, she can put it around her neck. Lays, ladies and gentlemen, lays for sale. Try this one over on your piano. Some lays look lovely on a piano, and some look better on a couch. And I've known a couple of peculiar people who liked lays on the floor, and even a lay farmer fashion in the hay. Hay, hay. Ah, the whole world loves a lay. It's not a cultivated taste like olives. It's natural. Why, I've known some girls to get hysterical at the mere sight of a good lay. And even an old stale lay has a bit of reminiscent charm. Lays, ladies and gentlemen, ten cents a lay. <gasps> Bring me a lay from Hawaii. I've wanted a lay for so long. I can't get one here. They're entirely too dear. But Hawaiians give lays for a song. Quack, 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 quack. I would like one more classy than poor Mrs. Sassy. But I'm really not choosy at all. While you're gone, I will yearn. 
But when you return, I'll be expecting that lay when you Thank you. 
started that set in March of 1934 with Bruce Fletcher singing a song that he composed, Lay from Hawaii. <laughs> and as great as the song was, I think it's really Bruce Fletcher's delivery that puts it over. You can just tell he was a consummate entertainer, which I think makes it all the more tragic that he died so young at the age of 34 in 1941. He died by suicide. He asphyxiated himself in a closed-up garage with a running car. What a tragic loss. After that, we heard from Earl Hines at the piano, his own composition, 57 Varieties. Nice little, well, I think fairly tame play on words. Earl Hines, H-I-N-E-S, coming from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, also the home of Heinz Food Products, ketchup among other things, which is spelled H-E-I-N-Z, and of course their, uh, well, their slogan at the time being 57 Varieties, although I don't think they actually had exactly 57 varieties. I I think I read that was just a random number they picked out because it looked good. (laughs) But it worked. 57 varieties. That was Earl Hines. And we wrapped up with the Pickens sisters in February of 1932. Victor 22929. Was that the human thing to do? Okay, let's turn to a vocalist from the late 1930s that I really like, Buddy Clark. Recording here in November of 1939, a really atmospheric version of On a Little Street in Singapore. You may be familiar with the Glenn Miller version. Buddy Clark's is quite different, but I think compares very favorably. It's Varsity Record 8101. Here's Buddy Clark. street in Singapore We'd meet beside a lotus-covered door The veil of 
held me in My sails tonight are filled with perfume of Shalimar, with temple bells to guide me to the shore, and then I hold her in my arms and love the way I loved before. Ah, a little street in Singapore. Good man, bad. 
Well, you might not know it based on that performance, but back in the late 1920s and early 30s, that was one of the hottest jazz bands in Berlin, Weintraub's Syncopators. 
They were forced to flee Nazi Germany in the mid-1930s, and they made their way ultimately to Australia, where, ironically, they were initially interred as possibly enemy aliens. But along the way to Australia, they stopped over in Japan for a while, which is where they made this record, called That Tiny Tea Shop, in Kawasaki in about May of 1936. My copy of that's on the Japanese Columbia label M78. Before that, we heard from Lil Green and her orchestra, a recording made in Chicago in April of 1947, I Want a Good Man Bad. That was RCA Victor record 20-2589. And starting off the set, a record by Buddy Clark that I like very, very much, from November of 1939, On a Little Street in Singapore. His voice is just so wonderful on that, and it's an interesting arrangement of, I think, an inherently interesting tune. Okay, let's keep things moving, and we're going to head next to Chicago in March of 1926, the oldest record on today's stack and possibly the hottest. It's called Hot Notes, played by Gene Rodemick's orchestra, and Gene Rodemick is probably at the piano, and he gets composer credit for this. It's Brunswick 3073. After that, a little promotional record designed for Philco and pressed up by Columbia, featuring Kate Smith from about 1940. The label of this record says... This record is to be used only for demonstrating the Philco photoelectric reproducer in retail stores. It may not be used for any other purpose, and it is to be destroyed after the demonstration period. Well, obviously my copy wasn't destroyed, although it was fairly heavily worn, probably through repeated playings in the store. (laughs) Anyway, Kate Smith talks a little bit about the benefits of the Philco photoelectric reproducer, and then they play a little clip from one of her records. It's worth a listen. And we'll wrap up with Eddie Duchin and his orchestra from October of 1939, All the Things You Are, Columbia 35302. Stanley Worth will be the vocalist. Here's Gene Rodemick's orchestra, Hot Notes. Thank you. 
Hello, everybody. This is Kate Smith. I don't have to tell you that the number you have been listening to on the new Philco photoelectric radio phonograph is when the moon comes over the mountain. Speaking of Philco's new instrument, it beats me how the Philco engineers have worked out the reproduction of sound with a beam of light. But my ears tell me that they have certainly done a job of bringing to the listener everything we put on the record. Say, Kate, I'd like to ask you a question. What do you think of the new floating sapphire jewel? Well, Ted, I'm a record enthusiast myself, you know. And the fact that I can now play the records in my collection as often as 1,000 times without fear of wear and with no annoyance of needle changing certainly appeals to me. And to me too, Kate. Increasing record life 10 times is something all record lovers will appreciate. And the end of needle changing is the end of an awful nuisance. Well, all I can say is that owners of the new Philco will enjoy playing records as never before. Well, thank you very much, Kate. Now, how about singing a chorus or two of Trade Winds, as you recently recorded it for Columbia? I'd be most happy to.
gift of springtime that makes the lonely winter seem lost. You are the breathless hush of evening that trembles on the brink of a lovely storm. You are the angel glow that lights the stars. The dearest things I know are what you are. Someday my happy arms will hold you and Someday I'll know that moment divine When all the things you are are mine time we have left, I'd like to play you a record by pianist Chauncey Gray, who was also a songwriter. He's given co-composer credit for Bye Bye Blues, among other things. He played in dance bands in the 1920s and early 30s, and then fashioned himself as more of a society pianist in the late 30s and into the 1940s. Here he is in about 1942 playing Lover, Come Back to Me on the hit label number 8001. After that, we'll hear from trumpeter George Girard and his New Orleans Five, something recorded in New Orleans on November 18, 1953, a pretty hot version of Sitting on Top of the World. It's on the Southland label number 9002. First up, though, here's Chauncey Gray.
I hope that puts a little bounce in your step. George Girard and his New Orleans Five sitting on top of the world to wrap up today's edition of the Shellac Stack. As always, I thank you so much for tuning in and joining me this hour as we've been listening to 78 RPM Records. I had a good time. I always do. I hope you did also, and I hope we'll see you back here next time for more 78s on the Shellac Stack. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.